Hey everybody, this is Jacob, one of the co-hosts on the Back to Back Films podcast. I'd like to take this moment to talk to you guys about Film is Truth, a video rental store in Bellingham, Washington. I had a hard time finding a movie that I was supposed to watch for a class. Uh, The movie was a celebration. It wasn't on any of the video streaming services or on DVD.com. But they had it at Film is Truth, and they had a wonderful staff that helped me find the movie and others that I wanted to watch. It's located in the Terra Organica market, so you can get your films and your groceries in one go. So give them a shot and enjoy the show. This week, we're doing something a little bit different uh, due to some technical errors with our initial recording of the episode, and in order to stay on track, we're going to do a short episode focusing on this week's topic. Uh, I'm your host, Keith. This is Byron. And I'm Jake. And with us, uh, we are joined by Robert Bajorquez, a fellow filmmaker and friend of ours. Thanks for being here. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me. How y'all doing? Good. Doing great. Yeah. Yeah, good. First time on the show, Robert, huh? Yeah, yeah, indeed. (laughs) (laughs) Sort of. Um, (laughs) So just to kind of keep things moving and get us into discussion with the topic, um, I just want, you know, can you like tell us a little bit bit about yourself, like, you know, who you are, what you do, uh, your interest in film, stuff like that? Sure, yeah. Um, So uh, like all these other fellows, uh, I went to Western Washington University here in uh, Washington State at Bellingham, Washington, and um, I uh, kind of came up through the same uh, office in their associate students as these guys did and um, a lot of like volunteer kind of indie peer-led filmmaking and um, that kind of – I mean that comes from doing a lot of – just making making videos for funsies with friends in high school and doing whatever I could before I came to college even. And uh, during my time there, I uh, started that uh, Western's 48-hour film festival. And um, I don't know, just uh, did a, tried to do a lot to make filmmaking accessible for uh, students at Western. Uh, and yeah, since then, um, it's been a couple of years since I've graduated now and, uh, I've kind of bounced, uh, bounced down to Seattle pretty quick and have been doing uh, a lot of freelance indie stuff ever, ever since, uh, I worked at a, um, small kind of post-production house for a year and a half when I first moved to Seattle and then um, I worked with uh, Nifty, the National Film Festival for Talented Youth, which is the world's largest film festival for filmmakers 24 and younger. And um, it's a four-day festival every spring. Uh, it, it is moving to the fall, apparently. But um, but uh, I was their festival manager for a couple of years, which uh, planned all the events and um, programmed their experimental films and um, – just kind of keep their uh, the logistics of the whole festival running, and I did that for two years. Um, and now I uh, work um, at a production company that does a lot of um, like live stream events with Microsoft uh, in Bellevue, which is a suburb of Seattle. Uh, but yeah, so keeping busy and doing doing what I can. <laughs> nice. 
Uh, it's like super cool that you were trying to promote and keep the experimental side of things going. I feel like that's a subset of films that just like doesn't, I don't know, get the respect or the attention generally that it deserves. Sure. Yeah. I mean, at Nifty, uh, it kind of got handed to me, which I mean, this is, I mean, I think it's easy for a lot of like traditional filmmakers to write off experimental as, as weird or, you know, what, uh, or like, I I don't want (laughs) to look at this. It's hard for me to look at this objectively or whatever. And, um, that was kind of how I got given the program experimentals for nifty, uh, task um which but i mean i cherish it because we um at at nifty at least we have all these young filmmakers that are kind of finding their way and figuring out how they want to how and what they want to create and we get some really really interesting interesting films and every year i'm like blown away by how creative and like thought-provoking like teenagers are art can be in their in their art which is like it's just like crazy to me that like w- with not as much necessarily like world experience yet they're like you know tapping into these emotions and like life issues that you know some of us that are that are older in our 20s even people that are older than that you know aren't necessarily don't have experience with and some of these students and young filmmakers have such a unique lens that they're looking at everything through and finding really bizarre, like I'll say it bizarre, but like really interesting ways to communicate that through, you know, the medium of film too. So it's, it's, it's a ball. I love it every year. So it's a lot of fun. That's awesome. Do you know why they're shifting it to the fall? Is it like a weather thing? Um, no, I mean, if anything, the weather in the fall here in Seattle is worse than it is in the spring, but, um, (laughs) Uh, it, it, it's been, I, I know some of the behind the scenes stuff, but, um, I know it's been kind of in the works for a couple of years now, wondering if the dates we were holding it were the best dates for it. And, um, I know moving into the fall a little bit has to just do with, um, with fundraising and some of it is, uh, I, I know there's been some educators that are more interested in it being in the fall. And so, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of reasons why. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. We will see, we'll see how it goes next. The 2018 festival will be the first year that it takes place in the fall. So it's kind of a little bit of an experiment and just kind of, we'll see how it goes. Nice. Uh, so just kind of move on with a little bit of more about you. What's your favorite film? My favorite film is back to the future. <laughs> easy peasy. It's an easy answer for me to give. <laughs> um, do you have like a favorite genre as well? Um, I mean, I kind of, I kind of dig a little bit of everything. Um, I don't know if there's like anything in particular that that really like I can I sink my teeth into more. Maybe it's um, maybe it's sci-fi, but I mean, that, that comes with a lot of caveats for me, I think anyways, but, um, I really, I, I, I mean, we'll get into this a little bit later on this episode, but, um, I mean, I, I'm a big Marvel cinematic universe fanboy, And so, mm-hmm. um, I, I get really, really hyped for those movies every couple of months when they come out. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 hmm. I just like good old adventure movies with good characters. That's kind of the big, 
biggest thing I look forward to when I see trailers and things like that. So, okay, nice. yeah. Robert, cool do you, uh, was there a particular film that you saw where you realized that you were like, that someone was like pulling, you know, that like there was like a puppet master behind like the film, you know, like, yeah. like when I first saw prestige, I was like, Oh, someone like made this and is intentionally doing this. And that was when I first kind oh. of realized that there was like a director, you know, and a writer, you know, like, was there a particular film where you realize that you're like, oh, someone's like actually like this is actually a job that someone's doing? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that a lot of it, at least in terms of like understanding like what <laughs> what a job as a filmmaker is, I, I, it's hard for me to like place because there's like we we grow up with like the seminal picture in our head of like what a director is right and oh, sure. and usually it's like a a name that we've heard or something and so yeah, like Spielberg yeah and it, like yeah totally. for a lot of people I think that it is Spielberg like that's the picture they get in their head when they think of a director or like the first director that whose name they ever heard and so because he's such a ubiquitous like his movies like were the seventies and eighties right and so um. I mean, I think that, gosh, I don't know. I mean, I didn't, I didn't really start really thinking about like the craft of cinema until I started taking film studies classes, um, in college. I I did like a junior year in high school thesis on directors and like how crafting a catharsis works and stuff like, um, and so uh, I mean, I mean, and the, the the three directors I focused on for that were Tim Burton, Alfred Hitchcock, and I'm 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 totally drawing a blank on the third one, but because <laughs> just just because it was so long ago, um, yeah. But a I mean, very memorable I, uh, senior project for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was uh, it was it was it was tough. It was, it was like the first time I ever wrote a paper that was like longer than ten pages long, and so <laughs> it was. It, it was a tough one, but, um, gosh, that's going to, uh, halfway through the episode, I'm going to remember who the third director was, but, um, but, but yeah, I mean, that, the, the, I think there are those, those kind of, um, I've heard people like refer to them as like pop icon directors where like, oh, I mean, yeah. Alfred Hitchcock was kind of like the first one who was kind of this celebrity behind the camera whose like films were this kind of genre all to themselves. And so, right. I mean, I think that um, a lot of a lot of a lot of directors kind of you know they find their own you know what kind of buttons do I want to push and, and they find an audience that way where it's like I mean you can look at any director and they've all got some kind of style to their to their work and I, I, it's hard for me to remember when the first time I like noticed that was um, gosh I don't know I I almost feel like it 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 must have had something to do with Star Wars because like. The first time, the first movie I remember seeing in a theater was Empire Strikes Back, and like, yeah, it must it must have had to do with those where I was like, it was, it was just this cap, such a captivating world and universe, and like, I remember seeing picture old pictures of George Lucas and stuff, and me maybe that was when I like got it. I was like, oh, this is a person who made all this, you know? Right, absolutely, yeah. That's interesting because I, I know like George Lucas, like at least on like the VHS tapes, he would have those like pre things, almost like what like Hitchcock did before his movies. Like, here's what you're about to watch sort of a thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
and like explains a little bit of it, almost like a commentary before. So it kind of like like an introduction kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's like an intro, and it kind of tells you like who the director is and like what he's kind of doing and how he's like the craftsman behind the movie. And I'm curious, did the, did that play before some of the Star Wars movies, like in the theater? Um, I I don't, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, when I saw Empire Strikes Back, it was during those re-releases in the 90s when they were doing right. the special edition tapes. And um, oh. <laughs> I don't I don't remember. I don't remember if there was like a, hi, I'm George Lucas and here's Empire Strikes Back. Bye. Like, I don't, I right. don't know if uh, I don't <laughs> know if they William had that. that I feel like I feel like yeah, that it's like been, William Castle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. The tingler. Feel, yeah. <laughs> That maybe would have been really strange. I don't know. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, that would have been weird. Because they, like, Disney has those, like, in their, uh, they have, like, the spotlight before. Like, you know, when you have, uh, oh, like, yeah, Marvel, saw... they have, like, the actors, like, up there. Or, like, even, like, J.J. Abrams did one. But it's, like, technically, like, before the movie. Like, it's, like, before the trailers. Yeah, like, I saw. Between I remember... first look in the trailers or something. The last one of those I saw was Brad Bird before Ch- Tomorrowland, I think. And I remember, I remember being like, "Why? Why is this here? Why? Why are they doing this?" <laughs> yeah, it feels so like it feels so corporate. Like it, it doesn't, it yeah. doesn't feel like Brad Bird is like the craftsman <laughs> there for some reason. It feels like Disney is just like, "Hey, you got to do this." Yeah, you know, yeah. like it doesn't actually feel like he even wants to be there at all. <laughs> like those, the, 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 oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, it's like those, 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 you see them every now and then, and it's like, hi, Regal movie lovers. Thanks for coming to my movie, the, the, whatever. And I'm Jeremy Renner, and go buy <laughs> some concessions. Okay, bye. God, now they're having those terrible short films made by AFI people or whatever. Like, oh, what yeah, the yeah. Fuck? Those piss me off so much. <laughs> like, seriously, I just look at over at like Nick and I'm just like, we're like both shaking our heads. Like, with that money, do you think, do you know what we could do? Like, yeah. what the fuck? Like, uh, dude, they pay like 20 grand a year in woo. tuition to like, uh, Essentially, make a regal short commercial. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's got to be even more than that now. I think because I think I looked it up because I was yeah, gonna apply for like, it. Yeah, like I I remember looking it up too, but I, yeah, it seemed like it was more expensive. But maybe I don't know how. Yeah, but there. Oh my god, just it just pisses me off to no degree. Like, there's not even a fucking story to it. It's like they, <laughs> and they always end like with them like eating popcorn and the robots like nodding its head, and you're like, yeah, and you're like, yeah. what the hell? The other thing that really pisses me off is that they always start and end in the same way. And I swear, they always start with the fucking people outside the theater looking up at the marquee, wondering which ones they're going to see. It's like, no, nobody does that anymore. Everybody knows what movie they're going to go see. Like, no one just, like, goes, like, what what if they... They're not showing a movie at the time that you show up. Like it's the most unrealistic fucking thing ever. Yeah, right. (laughs) It's terrible. Um... All right. Uh, oh, actually, I did want to ask this to Jacob because he's asked this to the guests, and I'm assuming it's a question that's going to be asked every time. But, Jacob, is there a movie, like, you watched where you, like, you know, it's sort of, like, clicked in your head? Yeah, the, well, yeah, I mentioned, I actually mentioned it in the question as an example, but it's uh, it, it was The Prestige oh, uh, okay. by Chris Nolan. Well, I watched it in high, in high school, and I was like... I feel like there's something going on here. And I looked up who the director was and I was like, oh, that's the director of Batman. And then I went and watched Batman. and I was like, oh, this is like the same. And then I went and watched like Memento and, 
did all uh, that yeah. shit. Wow. And then I was like, oh yeah, holy shit. These are all like very similar. And that was like my first like, oh, there's a, there is a director here. What? You know, there is like someone oh, pulling yeah, the yeah. strings. So it kind of just blew my mind a little bit. So that's why I always bring it up. Cause I'm always curious if people have that same, uh, experience. What about you, you know, Keith? As, as me. You know, I, get, I honestly can't think of a specific movie that was like, you know, wow, that that was the one that really like made me think about it. I kind of like always wondered like how did they do this? Like in terms of making movies, like I always remember like watching a movie and then being like like how? You know what I mean? I'm always just like the cinematography and everything else, the editing, I was always kind of like, how, you know, yeah. like I never really, and then, I don't know, I just was always, I spend more time wondering about how the movie gets made as opposed to watching the movie for a long time. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. I can't, I just think, I remember being places and thinking that, but I can't remember the movies they were watching, like, while that was happening. Um I, I was kind of the same way. Like I, I always was kind of looking in on the movie as like, how do they do this? But there was two directors that I remember thinking like, like you know, reading their name and being like, well, they got paid to make their movie, and it was Fritz Lang. Um, I was obsessed with his movie M with Peter oh, Lorre nice. in it. And oh then, yeah. Um, uh, John Ford's uh, Western films with John Wayne, like oh, yeah, Stagecoach absolutely. and uh, Red. Uh, uh, the searchers and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. then it wasn't until I saw the Lord of the Rings and all those special features that I actually really got to like, see what those people got to do, mm -hmm. you know, which oh, is kind of yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> those supplementary material in the Lord of the Rings extended editions, like kind of opened my, my eyes to like what the job actually entails and how, um, how immersive it could be if you wanted to be um, that type of filmmaker. Um, so that was always cool. So it's always kind of cool to, like you said, Jacob, to see like what type of films, you know, or filmmakers kind of open people's eyes to that, the concept of um, film making and the, and the people or the vision behind it. It's kind of cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. And maybe I'm the weird one <laughs> where I could, you know, I could like pick a movie. Cause I remember I asked our last guest that, and he was like, he, he was like, he didn't really know how to answer the question and answered like a, you know, he like, I, I want to say he dodged the question, but he didn't, it wasn't like a negative thing. You know, he just answered like a different question, you know? Uh, so maybe I'm the weird one. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I do remember as, Oh, was I in sixth grade? I think I did a presentation because we had to do a presentation on like, what do you want to be like in the, when you grow up, essentially? Um, and um, I chose director. Yeah. So Whoa. apparently in sixth grade, there was some inkling. Uh, I didn't do anything with that until college, but apparently I had an idea of it. See, that's awesome. Did, did you mean like film director? Yeah. Like no, you like, like, I want to be film director, um, not like director of sales or no, something. No, like a film director. Uh, wow. Actually, a couple of years ago, my mom like had the, I had the presentation because it was like a PowerPoint on a disc. And I looked through it again, and I actually used, like, Spielberg as an example. Like, yeah, yeah, like there, he, yeah there he yeah. is. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's good, old, good old Spielberg. Good old Spielberg. It's funny. I, I, I remember doing, a like, a report. Like, it was, like, a job report where we had to, like you said, like, what would you want to be growing up? And I put um, 
uh, camera newsman. Because like that was the only job, that was the only job that I could think of that you would so like funny. walk around carrying a camera, and I thought that was like the coolest fucking thing. Like yeah. you, get, you get to walk around with a camera and just film stuff. Like that's, awesome. that? that's so. That's awesome. This is I'm, I'm going to tell you guys mine because it's so lame compared to you guys. But I, 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 I said uh, a cashier. Because I, I thought I thought cashiers got all the money. You're I was AI. like, why would I want to be like a That's worker at a grocery logic, store? Though. The cashiers like, get all the money. Yeah, the workers who walk around and shelf stuff, they don't get anything. But the cashier, <laughs> they get the they get the money. I'll take the money. Oh, that's amazing. The logic uh, is actually pretty good on that. <laughs> pretty oh, sound. Yeah, I did a whole report on it. Uh, yeah, it was great. Kind- kindergarten, my kindergarten dream. Never uh, came true, unfortunately. <laughs> There's still time, I think. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, I want to jump us into the topic, but just to clear up the AFI, the cost of attendance, um, this is their estimated costs. Well, okay, just tuition alone for the first year and for the second year, uh, 55000 Each? Each year. Yeah, yeah. And that's Woo! for tuition. Hey, buddy. Um, their that's like a total estimated cost is the first year 86,000 and the second year is 88,000. Yeah. Fuck. And That's like a, two new Teslas. And, <laughs> Jesus. And I think if AFI there's a there's three year program too, right? Depending on what you want to go into. Um maybe if I, if I remember right. Yeah. Cuz I know that they had different programs. There's like one that kind of specialized more in like the editing and, and Yeah, and it's stuff for like each that. discipline. Yeah. yeah, which is pretty yeah. cool. But. Uh, there's producer, director, cinematographer, editor, and production designer. Damn. Yeah. I know Darren Aronofsky and uh, David Lynch went there. So did Yanis Kaminsky. Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mel Damsky, who lives up here, went there too. Oh, shit. Yeah. Um, I know oh, there yeah. was a, uh, a – just one more name. Uh, <laughs> there was sure. a senior when I was a freshman at Western uh, who went into their editing pro- uh, program. Um uh, his name is Brett. His first name is Brett, and I don't remember Brett Bachman. That's his name. Brett Bachman. And, okay. Yeah, he did a bunch of work with Funnier Die, and um, I think he he edited a feature, his first feature, a couple of years ago. I don't remember what it is though, because is it he, like a B movie, right? Um, it's some kind of a B I, movie. I, I no, I don't. No, I don't think so. I don't remember. But he, um, I don't know. He was like a friend of a friend of a friend. I didn't know him like personally. <laughs> That's kind of cool though. Just knowing like someone from our school went there yeah. like that and is doing something. It's kind of like yeah. the whole TJ Martin thing. Um, yeah. And it, uh, Robert, maybe you, you'd know. Um, I know we had a couple classes with Sean Leonard. Yeah. And then like, I know Sean. I, I, yeah, it's like I'm, I'm friends with him on Facebook, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't post much. So I don't. He doesn't know, like, use Facebook very much. He's busy and also just kind of he he's <laughs> he's he's really busy. He's like the creative director for Odessa, the right. band. Yeah, um, yeah. I actually produced um, a trailer for their album that came out in September with, and I was working with Sean. He like hit me up, um, and and that was a lot of fun because I hadn't seen him in a while. But uh, but yeah, he's like he's very scarce on social media. <laughs> yeah, like it, but his stuff is always just like it's oh, yeah. always he's, like wowed me. It's just like damn, like if there was anybody that I could think of that 
could probably get like some sort of scholarship or something to AFI. I, I always uh, thought of, of like him as like just a good example because his, yeah. his shit he was always a, so. He doesn't like, need it. He doesn't have anything to learn from those people. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. He's, yeah. But I was kind of curious, like, because um, I knew that he was the creative director, but I didn't know if he was yeah. doing anything else, like, regarding film because i know he had like that that documentary that came out um that oh, he did a couple of years friends. ago the living yeah. on one dollar yeah um yeah. so i mean I, I don't know they keep him pretty busy um because they're like he works he's part of their like stage direction too he's like plays backup guitar in the band sometimes too he's all over their stuff wow. so wow yeah he's he's a busy boy it's crazy because i love that band odessa is like i i have one of their cds in my car cd changer like almost yeah, you know, yeah. all year <laughs> round <laughs> all right um let's jump into this so uh robert chose the topic this week kind of talking about the reinvention of the superhero genre uh two films are superman 1978 and spider-man 2002 uh, but we won't be talking about those too much, uh, except for in reference this uh, in this episode. So uh, let's just start off with uh, why is talking about the superhero genre important? Uh, and I want to pose this to Robert, but also obviously to the rest of you know of my hosts here. Um, yeah, what do you think? Yeah. Um, so I mean, just. In terms of so, I mean, I, I, it's easy to look at it all through the lens of, of I think, kind of where we are right now, currently, and the the way the film industry is, and how, just how kind of how saturated the that market is right now, um, due to the success of Marvel and then uh, Warner Brothers trying their best, and um, kind of everyone's trying to find their own comic property to adapt right now, it seems like. And, um, some, some, I mean, it's always been like, I don't know for, for me, it, it, I grew up with, you know, comic books being around the house. I have older brothers that we, you know, we all read them. We all watched the X-Men cartoon and, uh, any other new cartoons that came out. I think I remember, uh, watching the Spider-Man nineties cartoon and, there's a Silver Surfer cartoon. There's all sorts of stuff going on. Super Friends, Justice League. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, if you look back through kind of how all these heroes have been adapted since they were created, you know, like like there's the old George Reeves serials, the Superman serials. There's, like, really, really old Batman serials, too, that were just, like, very, very <laughs> – Batman was very different than, you know, he, he is now, obviously. And – like it, 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 I don't know. I think it's just really interesting to see how these these waves, you know, ebb and flow with you know what audiences expect from a movie that has superheroes in it, and just like ways to subvert those expectations. And um, and I know um, we we did talk about this a little before, but um, just kind of how it even reflects like current events and you know things that are happening in the real world and like do we turn to movies to you know lift us out of um depression like literal emotional depressions and you know do we need do we need someone to be like a a hero to us to give us hope for you know our lives or the lives of those around us and i think that there's there's these 
the, these heroes that we write about that are adapted and adapted again that we we get familiar with we feel like we know them and they they serve that purpose for us and so that i don't know that was why it's it's all very grand but like it's something that you know can be enjoyed either on that deep level or as a summer blockbuster just you know throwing back popcorn and enjoying it and so i think that you know that dichotomy is really interesting and uh i don't know i thought it was worth exploring with with movies that are a little older that aren't you know the, the, the Doctor Strange that just came out, or you know, whatever like that, and so um, movies that are a little more ubiquitous than like what's what's hip and new and brand new and right now. So um, I don't know. That's kind of what 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 really t- uh, piqued my interest with with approaching you know this kind of reinventing the genre discussion. For sure, yeah, and uh, yeah, that's, that's kind of. Oh, sorry, Aaron, co- I wanted to add on to that. Oh, go ahead. Is that okay? Uh, yeah, the uh, I think it's pretty interesting, and I, I think the, I mean, one thing that kind of critics uh, or just film uh, people who like study film in general, they're, they 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 kind of blame the rise. They they either they either uh, blame the the rise of superhero genre on nine eleven <laughs> or uh, the advancements of special effects technology. Um, just like, uh, you know, like becoming more advanced and it's just kind yeah. of, it's, it, it's interesting just the idea that nine eleven could, uh, could even be a reason why we're seeing so many of these, uh, yeah, right now sure. as, you know, just like in American, uh, culture and like, uh, the, the need for a hero, you know, and, and even like, you know, seeing terrible things happening to New York. You know, like in these movies, like if they actually happened in real life, it'd be like, holy shit. Like, you know, like how many times are they going to even blow up New York in a movie? Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's like, that is like where 9-11 happened, you know, and that was just a tragic thing. But then we have these heroes who are saving the day or, you know, if, if, if it's Superman and the new Superman, he's sort of saving the day, but then all the, uh, all the, uh. Oh my gosh! Uh, all of New York is like, "Hey, you didn't. You actually destroyed everything." You know, <laughs> which is yeah, kind of yeah. an interesting uh, subplot. But I don't know. I think it's kind of fascinating that there's this divide among uh, film theorists, where it's like, "Hey, it's about nine eleven." Some people are like, "No, it's clearly about uh, uh, special effects." Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's I I don't know. It's it seems like it is probably both for sure. And I think it's a good point too. Like. You know, there's not really, I mean, superhero genre is kind of special in the sense of like how escapist it is and how hopeful it is. And like, you're definitely right that with when there's sort of this like, I don't know, when disasters happen or there's something major happening in the world that's really negative, like there is sort of this bounce back to the idea of the superhero and someone who could save the day and make it all better again and who we could like really put our hope in. Um, and it is sort of a reflection of the time, um, which I guess kind of answered my second question, which was like, you know, as someone who really isn't interested in the superhero genre, I was going to ask like, why should I be? Uh, and I think the historical, like, perspective is a good like good reason to kind of be interested in the genre um 
Yeah, you could also say that like superhero films and westerns are similar too. Yeah. Yeah. Like even just, you know, the whole spaghetti western, the good, bad, the ugly, like trilogy, uh, man with no name, you know, like that is like kind of, he is sort of a superhero. Uh Yeah. Uh, so you kind of, it's kind of like this weird progression from, like swat, like from early on, like swashbucklers, you know, like Robin Hood, the swashbuckler, to like Peplum, to Western, yep. to uh, and to today, which is more superhero, and we're even like seeing leak leaks of superhero. We talked about this on an earlier episode, but in uh, the latest Fast and the Furious films in that franchise. They're kind of just superheroes, basically. Uh, yeah, they're not. They don't have any powers, but they're flying off of helicopters and they're doing all this like crazy shit that normal. He, the, yeah, like yeah. they can punch. Like the Rock is like fucking huge and can punch like through steel, yep. you know. And it's like that's not a thing a human can do, but you know we kind of buy into it because it is superhero. Even even like Die Hard, like the later Die Hards, those are. Way more. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's like a that's a criticism of what the Die Hard movies have become. You know, where the first one was, where John McClane was like, he was supposed to be like a, a normal dude who takes down terrorists. You know, he was supposed to be this like him overcoming the lack of powers, just being a normal guy. He's not a police officer or anything, mm-hmm. right? And he's feeling and pain, now, and, he's, and now in yeah. the movies, he's like jumping off freeways onto trains and like he, he, yeah. he he's become this indestructible guy who's amazing and incredible. And like it, it that's that, I mean, that's a common complaint about the series now. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Right. Like it becomes like self-aware and I'm, I'm curious if just even like movies that are like in the Marvel universe, they're all like, they're not all the same movie, but they're all like very similar in tone and self-referential. And it feels like it's part of this like large series. And I, yeah. I, I recently watched the new Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man, Spider-Man homecoming actually. Um, and there was a lot of jokes in there that were just like, I mean, the movies are campy, but it was like really campy, like self-referential, like making fun of itself and like building off of other Marvel films that had kind of, um, so like Marvel's still like kind of going that way with its campiness too, which it which is um, which is interesting, and I, I actually I kind of like it because it kind of started out like that too. Yeah, well, I mean, um, and I mean, the point of uh, the the that that Spider Man Homecoming, uh, it, it was supposed to feel like you know like a John Hughes high school movie, and those were like those were fairly campy movies too. So I mean, um, I don't know. It's interesting how. I mean, I mean, I mean, and uh, that's kind of Marvel. What they've been trying to do as they move further away from like origin stories and things is to kind of focus more on trying to kind of subvert like the superhero genre itself. And it's like, well, no, like these are just like like they're doing what you were saying, Jacob, is that they were like like these heroes don't have to just be like superheroes and that's all. Like they can be. Uh, this this can be a World War Two movie, and uh, this can be like a nineteen sixties like Cold War spy movie, kind of, and right, um, right, or a high school movie, or a heist film. You know, they they've been trying to kind of stretch what even being a superhero movie means, which is which I think is part of how they've been able to you know stay relatively 
f- fresher than like fresh. than just yeah. you know pumping out a bunch of origin stories and sequels. So totally sure, and you know that's why I liked Wonder Woman yeah. as much as I did because it felt fresh. It felt like it was pulling from these kind of classic, like uh, I I see it as peplum, yeah. uh, but I'm sure there's other people who are like, no, it's not peplum. It's this specific thing. But so, <laughs> but, uh, I saw it as that. And w- when I watched it, I was like, wow, this is like really, uh, neat how they're kind of pulling from this like older style of filmmaking and really like mashing it together with this new thing here and creating this whole new experience. And it's almost like we're able to experience like older films with a modern, with like the modern language of, of pop cinema. Sure. You know? Sure. Like old yeah, pop absolutely. films with like the new language, you know, and it's kind of cool. I kind of like it. Yeah, I think that's like kind of integral to the genre because you said like with Westerns, I mean, the same thing kind of happened to that genre is like at first they were like you said, more swashbuckler type of action films. And, um, you know, maybe like one of the white settlers had been kidnapped and then the guy has to go rescue the, the damsel in distress. And it was almost kind of mirroring like the fantasy medieval sagas um that were also kind of popular at the time and then it kind of drifted off like the the westerns weren't as um big and a part of that was because people wanted to see more spectacle and so the spectacle had to be seen in like you know the big world war ii films or the peplum films that were getting to be you know more popular and then they kind of got back into style again um like you said you mentioned the the dollars trilogy and you know uh vietnam had was kind of just starting and the the hero changed into more of like an anti-hero yet he mm-hmm. was still like a superhero of sorts and how you know eventually even that died off and then now we're kind of seeing a little bit another you know emergence of the western genre and it's kind of the same with the superhero film it, you know it's, i think america always goes through an ordeal whether it's a war or a tragedy and through that um the characters of the popular genre or genres at the time either change morph or they get back into style and i feel like for superheroes you know 9-11 happened and and we needed something that was more of like a superhero so you know spider-man came out and then the war kind of kept on going kept on going and it yeah. became it became more dark and and became more complicated and people were getting fed up with it and then you know the you know batman came out and the dark knight came out and um you know we started seeing these these heroes that ha- were more complex and and then you know just the toby Maguire spider-man and you start you know the 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 villains got more dark you know uh mm-hmm. the jo- you know Heath Ledger's Joker became more you know um oh, yeah. uh, more realistic and more um yeah uh scary you could say um and then now we're kind of coming back into i think um something that's maybe not as dark something that is a little bit more light um and i think because we are so sick of seeing and hearing all these terrible events that are happening in the world, you know, people mm-hmm. don't want to like turn on the news, see all this dark shit. And then as an, as a form of escape, go to a Marvel movie and see that same crap on, you know, they, they want something a little different. So I think, <laughs> I think it's like kind of this interesting circle that, that the superhero uh-huh. genre has kind of like, um, kept going. And, and like you guys said, it, it keeps it fresh because when you have all these genre mashups, it just helps um, 
sell more tickets, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, totally. I mean, if you look at so so if we want to kind of look at the last, you know, 10, 15 years as kind of this as this circle as you're describing, you know, there's the there's the uh, there's the early thousands, like Spider-Man movies, which were very colorful and, you know, had humor threaded throughout them. And, and that was kind of like the, the early thousands, like big success story for superhero movies. Right. And so then, and then, uh, Chris Nolan's Batman movies come along and they're like, Hey, this is dark and realistic. But like, I think the missing ingredient to, or the, the ingredient that's present in those Batman movies, uh, is, is there's like, there is still like hope for like altruism in the movies kind of, I guess maybe not, maybe not pure altruism, but like, like Batman being capable of, of doing like the, the right thing for Gotham city. And, and then we, we get the start of the Marvel cinematic universe, which are like more, they're like, Hey, uh, Batman, like, 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 I don't know. They, they tailor the movie, say they tailor the movie to the hero, by like, oh, well, these are all like, you know, more comedic tone maybe, but they're lighter, they're more colorful. Um, none of them are certainly as dark as the Nolan movies. And and so it's kind of this upshot of like, of just brighter and co- more colorful movies. And then, and then DC comes along and puts all their <laughs> goddamn chips uh, in, the, in, in, the, in the Zack Snyder bucket and... <laughs> he and he's sitting and over there and and he's got that missing ingredient that is in the Nolan movies. Like he knows how to he knows how to get out his pack of brown crayons and color all over the damn movie, but but he forgets to write a story that, you know, makes any but he happy at the end, like yeah, like the, like Nolan was able to with like the Dark Knight, where it's like like at least Batman did the right thing, but instead they they put their pony there, they put all their money on a on a horse with two bad legs. Yeah, like, and I think even like even 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 having Christopher Nolan as like a, an executive producer on Man of Steel, um, yeah. kind of he kicked himself, you know, with that because. He, he kind of wanted to be on the Christopher Nolan bandwagon of having these dark films, but he doesn't have yeah. the writing talent like Jonathan and Christopher Nolan to back up what the visuals and maybe what he was going for. Um, yeah. And like, and then it is kind of, it, it just did DC, um, you know, it just didn't do any favors for him. But now I feel like with Wonder Woman and mm-hmm. I haven't seen the new Justice League, but just from the trailers alone and what they try to do with Suicide Squad is they're trying to bring in more humor, more, yeah. more interesting or not interesting, but more just comedic dialogue between the characters. And I think that's what's um, really um, getting a lot of people um involved with the marvel film so i think yeah. they're, they're trying to learn their lesson but and i'm seeing that the films are becoming more light like uh, from the trailers of justice league it, you know it seems like there's more fire and there's more you know um with cyborg you know he's got his yeah. like his red light eye thing oh, yeah, yeah. yeah like things are yeah. more more um 
more <laughs> should I? more co- more saturated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of yeah. mirroring you know what Marvel's doing. Yet I think they they don't want to completely admit that they fucked up, so they're trying to keep some <laughs> of the dark elements of <laughs> the other films. Um, so it is kind of it's funny. actually pretty interesting. <laughs> so you got to uh, stay on brand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You got to use your brown crayons, but maybe mix in a red crayon. Right. <laughs> so I'm kind of curious, you know, if they do any spinoffs with like Aquaman. I mean, like. Or something, you know, like it would be interesting to see. Maybe they're going to go lighter. I mean, yeah. I haven't seen like a, a, a superhero film that kind of has like a color um, uh, color scheme that Aquaman could have. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, oh like yeah, that, totally. That yeah. could be that could be interesting. But um, that would be fascinating. What well, what was that? Uh, the Heart of the Sea. Did you guys see oh, that? Oh yeah, the, the cinematography that cinematography was amazing. That- Gorgeous, yeah. and the 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 coloring too was, which is tied to the cinematography, obviously. But just like it looked like one of those old like Renaissance like paintings, yeah, you know, the, of, yeah, like, yeah. of like the sea. It's like the golds and the blues. The turquoises were like insane. The turquoises. I I see if they really do Aquaman, I could I could see that kind yeah. of color. And who doesn't uh, want to see palette. Jason Momoa all bronzed up in goldish <laughs> and turquoise? <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think what DC really needs to do is just go the opposite direction to Marvel and go dark and go gritty and just not even try to compete in the same like sure. uh like you said that saturated sort of you know, I don't know. Don't do the Marvel thing, you know, like make yourself different on purpose and I think people will be drawn to that. I think that would have been mm-hmm. awesome if they just went full blown fucking, you know, like R, you know, like all, <laughs> all, the, all the DC films yeah. is R rated, just fucking hardcore, you know, like, I mean, like the Punisher series in, in on Netflix is, is getting a lot of good reviews and, that, yeah. and, and people are, they like the Punisher because he is dark and because he's more gritty and yeah. there is, I mean, like, well, it Marvel's, did super well. Like, it's not like people are not going to go see R-rated films now. Yeah, I mean, right, American exactly. Sniper and It and all these and Get Out, they've all proved yeah. that they, that there Deadpool. is a huge audience, yeah, Deadpool, huge audience for R-rated films. So it's not like that it's something that producers should just scoff at. You know, I yeah. think it, I think it's a legitimate oh, yeah. business option now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, you know, you know what we need to do is we need to go back to the beginning of PG thirteen and do it, an episode on that because I think that started with Spielberg. Uh, I think. I think he was the one who was like at the advocate. It was, yeah. I think the Raiders of the Lost Ark, the first one, I think was the first um, PG thirteen film that at least you know mass um, mass released. I believe. I could be wrong yeah. though, but I think that's. I think you're right. It was. Uh, it was. It let's see. Um, it had to. It was PG thirteen was a response to Temple of Doom. Okay. Because Temple people Doom. thought that it was too violent for oh PG. God. So, did you see the heart scene? Yeah, I brought my three year old there. I can't even roll my eyes. Come on, Uh, no, but in terms of like reinventing the superhero genre, though, like I I feel like Marvel is doing that through their shows, like they're Uh they're not risking the movies and letting those formulas play out because they're such money makers but i think they are trying to test the waters and quote reinvent things through the shows because like jessica jones luke cage and especially the punisher daredevil are way darker 
like in feel and look and oh, everything yeah, else, yeah. you know, like, sure. and they're that whole, whatever it's called, like the defenders or whatever. Um, they're yeah. like way different in tone than the movies, which is where I think DC should really be looking is like the success of the Netflix shows and the popularity of the Netflix shows. Like that's what DC should be really trying yeah. to jump on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd argue with you, with you, Keith on that. I think the, uh, the movies are still reinventing the genre as they go. Um, and especially the specifically the Marvel genre. So like, you know, uh, Ant-Man was doing things that, uh, was kind of pushing the envelope of, of what it means to like have a superhero, whether, whether that's content or an interesting scene. Um, you know, and I think that's why it was like fascinating that he would like, shrink into his tiny little thing and like fight that way so it's like a superhero film where the superhero is tiny and you and the other guys are like getting hit and stuff and then you then you have dr strange which has like this kaleidoscope uh visual effects style and uh that was something that we hadn't really like seen before you know and then you have spider-man homecoming which is like as robert said is like this old uh campy like high school what what was the director that, that you said what was his name? Robert. Wait, 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 what? Sorry. What was the what was the, <laughs> the the film that the Spider-Man Homecoming was like based on? Oh, John Hughes, like like, uh, John like Hughes, Breakfast yeah. Club and uh 16 yeah, Candles, yeah, yeah. those movies, yeah. Okay, sure. So yeah, anyways, I, I think to to wrap it up, I think the movies are still reinventing as they go, um even though they're still kind of living in the same campy universe and I I, I think that Although they still kind of have the same tone, they're still like in themselves building um, towards something and reinventing them themselves. I think is mm-hmm. that's that's what I I would argue that uh, to to your. Point. I mean, maybe, but they're still playing it pretty like safe. You know, like the, they might be trying some new things, but they're not reaching very far when it comes to the movies, mainly because of the cost of making the movies, but then the success of the movies themselves overall. It, and you just have more, um, uh, you have more to explore with the series. They can, because yeah. it's, because it's like a 10 or 13 episode series. Like you could, you could maybe test some things out like, Oh, well we can do one episode like this and see if it's, you know, if a lot of people tune in for that particular episode, then they can mm-hmm. kind of maybe like see, Oh, you know what? Maybe next season we'll have more episodes like that. Cause that was a popular episode. And a lot of people are talking about that. Whereas a movie, it's a little bit more to, to kind of gamble with, with, <laughs> with things like that. Yeah. Like they could do like a scene right, right. or something, but it, it, it's still harder to gauge. Cause like, how do you gauge, someone coming out of an audience. Hey, what did you think of that scene? <laughs> like, uh, right, yeah. Like um, it's harder to like measure that, but it's easy to measure like the stats of a show. Right. Uh, like the stats of like each episode. Yeah. That kind of, that makes sense. But, I, I mean, yeah. like, uh, yeah, you guys are both right. I think, I mean like they, it, the, the movies are still kind of pushing, um, uh, you know, a little bit each time. I mean, I, what I'm so impressed with really about the Marvel films is, is that they're so um, everything is so broad now? You have the darker, grittier stuff like in the the series, and then the movies are are. I mean, they range from you know more like like 
sword fights, fist fights, and then you have yeah. like science fiction. You have mm-hmm. you know more like Captain America, which is kind of grounded in kind of more of like what our you know modern day is, and you know it's like how broad they are and some of them are very focused like ant-man was very focused on kind of just ant-man and then you have like the avengers where they're focused on where they juggle the fact that the the main characters of the film are there's you know many of them and yeah, but yet, yeah. yet it's like a, a, a easy to follow film and um it's not like completely all over the place so it's impressive that there's that the films are so broad in in like style and kind of um I don't know how to explain it, but just so much more broad than like what DC is doing, I guess, and hmm. or what they've done in the anybody has done in the past. You know, yeah. I mean, I think this yeah, is a right. first, yeah. this is such a, this is such a first time for anything like this. I mean, the fact that there's phases to this thing is, well, is yeah, just it's, like, I mean, holy it's crap! Essentially, like this kind of building seventeen movie narrative. You know, <laughs> Jesus, yeah, I know. yeah. Or it's, however it's, many, <laughs> however many they're up to now. You know, it's crazy. I mean, the only one like universe that i could think of that has like uh, uh, kind of like a such a big um following slash like universe would be like harry potter i mean yeah. i can't really think of anything that has gone yeah. farther than that you know other than you know harry potter and the marvel films i mean i mean pirates of the caribbean's up there but it doesn't have like the lore and the Maybe spin-offs the and stuff yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess Lord of the yeah. Rings is close because it has the Hobbit films now. Yeah, it's interesting, but what what's weird is like how all these films are kind of packaged together. Because uh, like something like Lord of the Rings, like those are all shot and done like done back to back, you know, uh, all at the same time. And Harry Potter is based off this franchise, but what what Marvel's doing is basing it off of this entire ginormous comic book like brand. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, there's like, there's no, like with Harry Potter, it's not like they could like pick each movie and like run the risk of like running that movie, you know? Uh, but with Marvel, it's just like, you have all these things to pick from and it's like, it could, it could be endless, you know? Like, I don't, I don't know if there's like an, a way for it to, I feel like maybe, uh, the human race would end before Marvel stopped making its, uh, <laughs> could, could stop making its movies. Sure. But, you know, you never know <laughs> when it's going to end because people might start getting turned off or they'll, they'll, will they'll adjust their tone incorrectly or, or something to not match the, you know, what people want at that time. Uh, you never really know, but yeah, it's fascinating how it's like ever growing and it keeps oh, for growing. Sure. Mm-hmm. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so we kind of touched on this, but I want to posit the question to all of you, uh, just kind of towards the end here. Um, like what, with all the superhero films that we have and the way the genre is and how, you know, they might be testing some things, but there's sort of a tried and true formula they found that they really want to stick to when it comes to superhero films. So what, what do we do from here? Like, how do we reinvent the genre? And I guess, like, specifically, what would you guys like to see? Like, how would you guys go about reinventing? And I'm not saying, like, it needs to be this, like, grand idea, but, like, what would you like to see in the superhero genre? Where would you like to see the superhero <laughs> genre go? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good question. And if I knew the answer, I'd be in Hollywood uh making a bunch of money (laughs) 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 but you have to have an opinion as to like what you would like to see right 
I mean, so yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I can, I can, I have thoughts on this. I can say a thing. Um, <laughs> so I mean, I think that, and I'll use the movies we've talked about, none at all, the Superman from 1978 and the Spider-Man from 2002, kind of as the lens with which to like illustrate. I don't know. I think we can look for look at clues to in the past to kind of see maybe where things might be going but um so if we look at the 1978 superman that was hot off the heels of star wars and i think you can see it in the movie it's very like the the beginning chunk of it is very like um uh same cinematographer as 2001 a space odyssey and uh and i think you can tell from the sh- the way krypton is shot um and the way that uh Clark kind of zooms through space on his way to Earth. Uh, It was kind of this, kind of this dip, this uptick in sci-fi at the end of the seventies, and then and and then there were Superman movies kind of all throughout the eighties. These sequels to this Christopher Reeve um, movie, and and then they hit a point where they kind of leaned a little too hard on the comedy end of the scale, Mm -hmm. and uh, and there was like I think it's the fourth one. Uh, which is uh, Superman Four: The Quest for Peace, and um, it co-stars <laughs> Richard Pryor, <laughs> and 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 so I think like like the movies kind of took a turn there, and the industry like or at least I mean the the movie industry was much more varied than it is now, where it's you know the the tent poles weren't comic book movies, um, and I think that people didn't weren't sure what the next superhero movie was going to be right, and so it was a couple of years a couple of years go by, and then Tim Burton. Uh, you know, does this this first time we've seen Dark Batman on screen? Michael Keaton, nineteen eighty nine Batman, and you know, it was a huge shift for people just in terms of what, how they viewed Batman because the last thing was the nineteen sixties Adam West Batman, which was right. like which was campy nineteen sixties television, and <laughs> um, and that and that kind of changed everything, and then those. You know, eventually Joel Schumacher took over uh, the Batman movies, and and it, everything got like way too silly again. Batman and Robin, and then uh, yeah, that's that's where they're like ice. They're like they're fighting a bunch of guys, and then randomly they start playing ice hockey. Yeah, 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 <laughs> like with, with like the detonator or something. Yeah, yeah. well, I mean, and even God, so awesome. even Batman Forever is kind of just like a Jim Carrey movie with Batman. Yes, um, yeah, and. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> And so, I mean, I, th- I think it what, what it what it comes down to is like the people that these movies would and should be for, um, because Spider Man kind of was the the two thousand two Spider Man kind of like clicked superheroes back on for Hollywood. Um, totally. Th- that I think that uh, w- what the people who are going to go and see these movies, where like like Marvel has kind of broke the mold now, where like kind of everyone goes and sees superhero movies when they come out now. But um, I think that what we see is when a character being adapted to the screen isn't reflective in an authentic way of what the source material is. I think that audiences see that and it's obvious when, you know, the movie doesn't seem right. And so like, it, it, we we talked about Wonder Woman a little bit, and I think that the first like the first like third to half of Wonder Woman with Gal Gadot I think is great, where it takes place on uh, the island and it's it's this very different 
you know, t- texture and flavor of a superhero movie that than we've seen so far. And, mm-hmm. uh, and especially with it just being so female centric and, um, and I think that that's what a lot of people came to see. And, but, and I mean, not that like the, the movie as a whole, I thought is, is fine. It was good. I don't think it was amazing. Great. Because what happens at the end of the movie is it just kind of escalates into this video game boss battle that, you <laughs> yeah. know, stinks of Zack Snyder. And it just like, like, and that's the part where it lost me. It was where it started to just not seem right for who I and as a, as a man, I get to have an opinion on what I think Wonder Woman is, right? <laughs> but um, but I, nice. But uh, I'm, I'm being I'm being facetious. Uh, but uh, I think that you know what the, it spoiled all the goodwill that the beginning of the movie started, and so like when we see that, you know, it it, it, it it's like one wrong note in a in a great song where. You know, it, 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 as soon as we let one of those go by, then more of those start happening, and and we end up with you know we end up with Batman and Robin, we end up with Superman for the quest for peace, we end up with Spider Man three or Amazing Spider Man two, you know whatever that may, that people that don't care about the source material get involved and to a point that 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 the film stops being authentic and you know uh, made. F- by some by people that care about it for people that care about it and so um yeah i think that marvel's been doing a really good job of you know attaching directors to movies that that you know have some relationship to what they're making you know Joss Whedon grew up reading avengers and the first avengers movie is amazing and right and James Gunn grew up reading Guardians of the Galaxy movies and or reading Guardians of the Galaxy comics and and now Guardians of the Galaxy is like the hottest Marvel property there is which is which is crazy it's a super obscure series that you know ran in the 70s and hasn't been a crazy success in terms of comic sales you know mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. i think that if we get to that point where if we get to that point where uh like it like I think I think if anyone's going to pop the bubble right now, it's I don't think it's going to be Marvel because because they've kind of demonstrated that they understand how to authentically adapt comic book characters to the screen. I think it's going to be DC is going to pop the bubble because they haven't quite done that yet, and you know probably the majority of moviegoers maybe they can dif- discern you know a DC hero from a Marvel hero, but. Um, if we're looking at a superhero genre as a whole, I think that uh, if people stop being able to tell them apart, you know, they'll start to just write every superhero movie off as a superhero movie and they'll go right, see right. a really bad one and they'll be like, I'm not going to see any more of those, you know? I want, I wonder if that's like uh, the reasoning for like, cause Marvel updated it's, it's uh, like Marvel stinger, like in the intro, oh. you know, where it shows like the just the Marvel, oh we see the like, clips logo. of their heroes yeah yeah in, in yeah the it's logo. like all exactly yeah it kind of like flies through so you get to see like each one almost as if saying like hey look Batman's not in any oh, yeah. of these <laughs> you know what I mean like these are the Marvel like heroes yeah. and it's so like regal looking like when they're when they're kind of revealing oh, of course it is because it's a stinger and like they're all kind of like 
you know, big and like that. But uh, yeah, yeah, just I wonder if that's part of like Marvel's trying to distance itself a little bit from the uh, from the 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 the, the you know failing uh, from every book, just from everybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I th- that's kind of a yeah. I think Robert's right. I think it is going to probably be like DC bursting the bubble in the next. And I like, I guess to answer like Keith's question, I think for me, I think what would be like really what I would want to see would be like like these more like female centered uh, hero films. I think I think if if they if they just did it right, I think it could be like you know not only phenomenal but like huge because um, like. DC has fantastic female superhero characters, whether they're anti-hero like Harley Quinn or they're, Mm -hmm. um, you know, more uh, like Wonder Woman, you know, like there's such a rich history, just like the Marvel films um, of these, you know, I I forget some of their names, like like Sage or something and like all these other women um, superheroes that like Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm -hmm. They're so untapped that the potential there is huge. You know, like, yeah. I think because people want fresh superheroes and fresh um, um, things to, to, to watch. Perspectives, even, just, you yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. like, yeah. I think I think that potential is something that maybe I think would be something that I would like to see that's realistic. Because there's a lot, of, a lot of things I would like to see in the superhero genre that I don't think will ever happen. Um, but that, yeah. but, <laughs> but I think, I think you know, asking maybe for more um, female-centered roles uh and movies would be something that i think is catching on and would could possibly like really burst the bubble um yeah i mean like i think gal gadot is going to be someone that is is going to transcend her character here in the next five years or so you know what i mean i think i think she's going to be a household name like hugh jackman is to um you know boys with sure. Wolverine. I yeah, think, totally. I, oh, sure. like I, and I think that potential is only greater now because the superhero genre is so big. You know, it's bigger now than it was when we were young with the X-Men series and stuff. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, to uh, Keith, uh-huh. to, to answer your question, uh, I just realized I do have an answer of what I would like to see. And it's, it's actually, it's already been done. It, it was uh, something that I had been saying for like two years uh, before I watched the movie. I was like, I want to see the unforgiven of superhero uh, movies. And it came out and it, that's Logan. Like it's, uh, it's, it's basically this, it is the unforgiven of superhero movies. It's this tired guy who's like, has all this experience and he has to like jump back in the game again. And that's, uh, it's, it's fucking unforgiven. It's the same. <laughs> it's the same thing. And I love it. And I think that's one of my, I mean, X-Men was always, my favorite franchise out there, uh, uh, superhero franchise, um, to watch. And man, that was such a good, uh, such a good Wolverine yeah. uh, thing. Absolutely. Yeah, it's totally awesome. Yeah. I'm but glad one, they one, tried something different with that. Like, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, for sure. But one, one thing I'm really excited about as far as superhero stuff, that is a little bit, um, uh, that isn't Marvel. That isn't DC. That isn't really anything is the new Shyamalan, uh, movie, uh, I think it's called Glass, yeah, yeah. and it's it is a. I'm totally gonna spoil um, 
Split for everybody on the podcast. I, have you seen Split yet, Byron? I haven't, but I it was ruined I, to me. It was ruined to me already. Oh, okay. so I also so have already, not seen it, and it has not been ruined for me. So you, you, be, you oh, be careful, Robert. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be, care- oh, I'd be careful because it would totally ruin so it for you. So bad, I would totally ruin it for you. I don't want to say it so bad, but I can't now. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. I would. I will. Fuck. <laughs> what? Let's just say I'm excited for uh, Glass to come out. Yeah, I mean, I know for, it's the uh, sequel uh, to Unbreakable, reason- so I know that much. But oh yeah, yeah for yeah for the reason that it is a sequel to uh, one yeah Shaman's early movie, uh-huh. which is a superhero drama. So it's um, you know getting getting kind of a superhero drama with the M Night Shyamalan, uh, you know kick to it and especially this new kick that he's on I'm, I'm really excited for for that and it seems like that'll be like a nice fresh different uh kind of superhero movie that i need because i honestly i like marvel but i i i get sick of watching um marvel movies it's sure. it's hard to get into them all the time absolutely and here i am just wanting a a good riddick movie <laughs> that would be <laughs> yeah that's what i want in my fair, superhero fair. some riddick it's yeah. it's funny because there are these marvel films that are that are out there that are popular that aren't like part of like the marvel cinematic universe like uh the kingsman like it's actually yeah. owned by marvel but it's not like you know it's not like part of the the universe so, yeah, it's, yeah. so it's kind of funny how like there are projects like that that could be cool too that could blow up even more yeah um, yeah but like you know like things like Viver vendetta and um uh other you know or like you know sin city and these other that aren't really like superheroes but they they touch into that graphic novel comic book world mm-hmm. um i think some mm-hmm. of those might blow up too um but it's it's just tricky because you know people are so they want a particular you know thing at a particular time and it's it's kind of luck that that you know <laughs> that makes it big <laughs> yeah yeah like exact like who like how does this movie like land right like yeah. you, you know like you, you have movies like I, like catwoman that are like just bad and you like know that they're bad but then you have uh movies that are good that that still just don't really land I mean, I th- like passable movies th- that just don't land i think like a just the recipe really for like right now is i think if you just come fucking from far left field if you just come with if you're gonna do superheroes come with a comic that maybe isn't huge that maybe a lot of people don't know mm-hmm. but yet you have a passion for yep because that's what that's what I think the audience, like what Robert was saying earlier, latches onto. It's like when you have a movie that you could tell the people or person behind it is so into it, that love kind of transcends onto the screen and, and the audience picks up on it. And I think that's kind of one of the key recipes of what has made Marvel so atta- you know um, big. And I think Zack Snyder isn't maybe doing it um, – the way like he's kind of i think he just comes off more to me as like maybe he's doing it for the money it's not that he has such a huge huge love for the characters i mean maybe i could be i could be completely wrong but i've i've read about this and people some people's opinions i'm pretty neutral as far as opinions go but one person says that like Zack snyder like he finds aquaman interesting because of the trident that he has not because of aquaman's character himself so he what he's way more interested in is like who could almost like who could beat who versus 
yeah. the uh, like the struggles of the character or like maybe what makes them interesting to look at or, um, you know, but it, what he's interested in is like the fight, right? Know, like the, the, the battle of it, um, which is a unique style, uh, but maybe isn't the one that people want. Hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't know. That, that was what some, a lot of people said and think that I've read on it. So I, he could just be doing it for the money. I mean, who the fuck isn't doing it for the money? You know, if you're if we're if we're doing a Marvel movie, I feel like that you're like kind of looking at like, all right, I'm gonna you know buy my you know million dollar home, you know, after I do this movie, uh, ideally, you know. But uh, you know, some some people like um, the new uh, Fantastic Four movie that didn't that didn't do too hot. That came, I think, with a lot of passion, but it also came with the director that. Uh, that uh, you know got locked out of the edit suite, and there you know was buttonheads with the studio, and whether or not that's his or the studio's fault, um, that still just kind of fell apart. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. it's a huge so, problem. I think it was. I think it was the opposite. Yeah, I think Josh didn't thing. Josh Trank lock everyone else out of the edit room. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and then and then he, he got I fired. He had plenty of soda. <laughs> yeah, that yeah that is a. That's, that would be awesome if that's what happened. That's hilarious. Uh, I think yeah, just I to kind of like answer my own question real quick before we end this here, uh, I just want to see more like genre based superhero. I think like, sure. you know, give me some like. Like mystery. the Punisher. Like, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah, just scale it back. Give me something like, you know, mystery, hard sci fi could be cool. Yeah. Uh, just give me something a little more specific in a genre, like a horror superhero. I mean, I don't know how you would do oh, that, but that could did, be cool. Hey, did you see the trailer for The New Mutants that comes out next spring? No. You should look it up because. So that's uh, an X Men universe uh, property. They're like young mutants, and uh, the trailer is. Definitely looks like a horror movie. So yeah, uh, nice. yeah, go yeah, watch cool. it. Go go watch that. See what you think. Oh yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Definitely more horror. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Keith found yeah, his uh, superhero. Like that. Yeah, that, that, yeah, like I think Deadpool like could like even touch on that, but like in the comedic way, you know. Um, yeah. Just with the violence. Oh yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. just give me some of that. You know, <laughs> don't be afraid to kind of push the push the envelope a little bit. Um, try something new. I yeah, I think people are doing that, and I I think that maybe where Marvel falls apart is that the tone is always not falls apart because Marvel's great, but uh, the tone is always similar. Sure, you know, yeah. it's always yeah. like that campy. You know, it's kind of like the, it's like the Marvel brand sort of. Um, you know, just kind of something that keeps the whole universe like glued together. And it'd be cool if we could get out of that. Yeah. Right. Um, but it would require non Marvel films to kind of, to kind of get there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to get too deep in it cause I, I do want to kind of wrap things up. Um, <laughs> but they've done it with the comics before where they've, you know, flipped shit on its head and taken, uh, old, like, you know, pretty standard properties and, and done something different with it. So, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, w- I wonder if you could do that with a movie in the same cinematic or cinematic universe, or if you had to reboot it like how Tim Burton rebooted Batman or Chris Nolan rebooted Batman or yeah, 
you know, I wonder if you have to reboot it in order to do something like that. I don't know. That's a I don't. Question. I don't. I don't think. I don't think the. I don't think. Not to like come, go on this huge other thing, but I don't think we have to. I mean, like, because I know Batman was or Ben Affleck was thinking about doing something more genre related with Batman, and I think if you could have him with his standalone films do something more dark and genre, and then have him when he's with Justice League be more light and 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 more comedic, I think that could work as long as it as long as his character stays true. Yeah. 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 You know? Yeah. Um, I, other than that, I think it's I think it's totally I mean, you know, it's like it's like Deadpool, you know, maybe he'll c- join in on the mutant trilogy or series or something and he could be yeah. more like just a fucking badass where he shows up and he's like, you know, being a little snarky, but yet he's killing people. And then in his standalone films, it, you know, it's more of the, the jokey stuff. But like, I think it's totally doable. Um, yeah, yeah. But it's it's yeah, just finding the kinda, person to to execute it right. <laughs> yeah, that's the trick. They they kind of do that with with Wolverine and some of the later X Men's. Like he kind of comes in as like, and he just kills a bunch of shit, and then leaves, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's like it's like oh, the, he just that was funny and badass, yeah. you know, at the same time. Yeah. Well, let's wrap it up here. Um, so. If you have any questions, topics, suggestions, opinions, or if you have any fact corrections, send an email to btbfilmspodcast at gmail.com. We're always trying to learn new things, so we'd love to hear from you. You can also visit our Facebook page and join our group to comment on or discuss this week's episode or any past episodes. Uh, All of our episodes can be found on iTunes and at soundcloud.com slash btbfilms. Uh, If you like the show, please rate it and leave a comment on iTunes because it helps move us up the list uh, so others can find us. Our intro and outro music was composed by Curtis Skinner, who can be found at skinnyproducing.com. Or he can be found at skinnytheangel.com. <laughs> fit, fit them both in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so next week, it's my birthday. So we're going to do a birthday episode. Um, and we're going to be watching no, the no, film no, no. Keith. Oh, sorry. And Keith meets Keith. <laughs> 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 oh, that sounds terrible. So awesome. <laughs> oh man. And then what is what is Byron's can Byron is uh, like Byron's, Life of Brian and Yeah, we haven't decided but there's one T V movie called like La Gouette oh. Door. Yeah. Is there really? Yeah. Holy yeah. fuck. And then there's another one, um there's like two others, but I think we might just do Life of of Brian just because that's because it works, you know. Because yeah. that's your name. That's your actual name. Yeah, Brian. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> so yeah, we understand. Oh my God. Um, so yeah, so Keith and Keith meets Keith will be the two films. Um, so make sure you watch those films to be part of the discussion. Uh, Robert, thanks you. Robert, thank you for being here. Um, yeah, totally. And talking with us about superheroes and choosing the topic. Yeah, it was Woo. actually a good. Dis- it was a good discussion. It was. It was definitely different from the the other. Lost, <laughs> yeah, the, the lost discussion the we lost, had. Yeah. <laughs> lost but it was. It was yeah. I think it was uh, just as like informative. I'm kind of Absolutely, looking forward yeah. to hearing hearing it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of cool, kind of doing a di- little different format. Yeah, you know, just kind of like not just kind of talking about superheroes in general. Yeah, that was kind of neat. Sure, yeah. Definitely. I didn't realize we were doing that, but uh, hey, I think I think it worked out pretty good. <laughs> no, it was oh. great. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, uh, just before we finish off, though, I guess we didn't give you a window for this on this time, but if you want to tell us about your podcast, oh sure, um, feel yeah, free to do that. Now. Um, 
So yeah, um, I co-host a podcast um, called Twenty Four Fra- uh, Excuse Me, Twenty Four Flames Per Second, <laughs> um, and uh, we um, every week. Uh, we have episodes uh, every Wednesday, and um, kind of the format of the show, uh, me and my buddy Will host the show, and um, every week we have a panel of kind of randomly assembled folks that um, we have one defender and two roasters, and uh, we kind of put a movie on trial, so to speak, and so... Um, we try to focus on movies that are fairly ubiquitous. Um, so this last week we did um, Forrest Gump and um, <laughs> Byron's favorite. <Yeah. laughs> oh man! If, if, if you love Forrest Gump, if you hate Forrest Gump, it's a it's a good episode for either of you. Um, but uh, but yeah, so some examples of other movies we've done. We've done The Prestige, which Jacob you were mentioning earlier, um, and mm-hmm. uh, we. Did uh, I defended Back to the Future um, in an episode? We've done like The Incredibles, like all, a lot of just kind of you know fairly classic films at this point that um, some people love it, some people hate them, um, and so uh, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. We have a we have a good time doing it. Jacob, you've been on the show before, and um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's it's a lot. It is a ton of fun to be on the show, and um, just like how like people kind of like people people will be like really heated like at first, uh, and it'll be really funny. And then at the end, there's like this moment of like unmasking, and they're like, "Actually, I really love this film." And it's sometimes it can be like really surprising, like at the end yeah. when you find out that like this person actually like hates the movie and you're like, Oh man, you're defending it this whole time. What a jackass. Yeah. yeah. yeah and you feel like everyone feels like a jackass. Like I feel like a jackass for listening. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a ton of fun to listen to. I've listened to all of them. I think it's a great show. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, thanks for that. Uh, if anybody is curious, uh, you can find us at 24 flames pod, um, pretty much like everywhere. So, um, yeah. And we're on iTunes too. So give a, give a listen folks. Fantastic. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye.